Hey, it's Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your host of the I Heart My Life show. This is episode 81, The Secret to Shifting from Hard to Fun While Building Your Dream Business with Toby Fairley. So Toby is an incredible woman. She is best known for her bold use of color and interior design. And she's also one of the nation's most progressive thinking entrepreneurs, a successful business coach for creatives, and a certified life coach. And one of the things that really stood out to me about Toby was her use of fun throughout our conversation. And I wanted to really support you in understanding that you building your dream business, moving forward with all of your goals, it can be fun. Sometimes we make it so hard, so challenging. We put in all the hours and we forget why we even started. So I hope today's episode is really refreshing for you and that you can see certain ways you can start to bring fun back into your work literally starting today. So let's dive in. Hey, Toby, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited for this conversation. So this is our first time officially meeting. So I know I'm going to learn a lot of incredible things about you, as well as all of our listeners will find out why you're so amazing and all, all about the work that you do in the world. Thank so yeah, yeah, we can just go ahead and dive in. The first question that I normally talk to all of our amazing guests about is really how they came to do the work that they do in the world. I'm fascinated by people's origin stories and just really understanding how they came to be at this place and start their business and create all this amazing success. Mm -hmm. So can you take us back and tell us a little bit about your journey to where you are today? Yes. So I live in Arkansas. I grew up in South Arkansas um, and I've always lived in the state. And it's so funny because people, you build a big business and people are like, wait, you live where? Uh, Yep. Live in Arkansas. (laughs) It's a great place to live. Actually. Um, I have a teenage daughter and a husband who's an attorney. Um, And my story starts with um, my dad runs a 104-year-old family telecom business. And so I just had, I sort of had the, you know, the entrepreneur gene, the environment. I had, I had that kind of upbringing that anything's possible. Um, And so, um, you know, really was always focused on what I wanted to do in my life and what kind of career or business I wanted to build. Um, And my parents were so supportive, but what I really didn't know at the time is back, that was, I graduated high school back in the nineties. So I'm in my forties. Um, and back then the area of interior design, which is actually the, the business I went into first, um, was really not a thing so much in places like Arkansas or really anywhere, unless you move to New York city or LA or, you know, one of the big kind of urban areas. So, um, so my dad was like, you know, go get a, a degree in something that's really going to serve you. You can always do well with an accounting degree. And interior design at this point was not really even on my radar. And so I went into college to get an accounting degree, which I did get, but it was pretty painful because I really knew, you know, not too far in, I'm not an accountant. There's no way I will sit behind a desk, but I'm not a quitter. And I knew this would serve me. So long story short, with my education, I ended up getting an accounting degree, going back to school and getting an interior design degree and getting an MBA. So I love school. My dad used to make a joke that I couldn't get a job because I couldn't take the pay cut, meaning I was still on his his dime a lot, which was fun and generous of my parents. Um, So then I set out into the world building this interior design company, which was super successful. I've been an interior designer for 20 years. I've done super high-end projects. I've done hotels. 
uh, have product lines with national companies and have been on the covers of major magazines. So I've done all the things. I've checked all the boxes in interior design. But like so many people building a business, a small business, like other creative entrepreneurs, I was making all the mistakes. So I was making the financial mistakes. I got into debt at one point, a couple times probably actually. Um, It was hard. I was on the treadmill. I was hustling. You know, there was lots of outward success, lots of internal pain and suffering. Um, And so over that time, I really learned that Um, There was such a need in the small business world and the creative entrepreneur world for people to have an understanding of what it really takes to build this kind of business. And I learned how to do it the wrong way. I learned how to do it the right way. So what I do now, in in addition to my high-end interior design business, which I still have, and I only take a handful of my favorite, favorite clients a year. um, But what I really love doing is I help Creative entrepreneurs, especially women, make a lot more money than they're typically making because they're usually stuck in the whole starving artist kind of mentality, which we can talk about, um, and really build a life that they love. And along the way, I got a life coaching certification, which probably has been the game changer. Now, it's easy to say that since I already have the the background and the education and business and all the experience, but those two things combined were the game changer for me because I could have had and did have all the business tools in the world. But unless I did the mindset work and really, you know, got through those limiting beliefs and fears and the things that we all encounter every day, and I still work on all the time, until I put those two things together, I couldn't really create a business that I loved. I couldn't really create the kind of financial independence that I've created. And so, I mean, there's so much we can dig into and it's going to be really fun to dig into it, but kind of in a nutshell, that's my journey. Um, I guess one little piece I left out was the, the business consulting piece um, started during the recession, really, because I was watching um, in 08 and 09, I was watching the design industry and I was thinking, okay, this is a luxury Um, industry. People are starting to pull back. They're starting to feel guilty about spending. They're not thinking it's very smart. What am I going to do if all of my clients go away? And it was in that moment, I had always known that I was a good teacher. I was good at taking complex things and making them simple. I love being transparent and open. And so it was in that moment that I was, you know, was thinking, what do people want from me? And I started answering their sort of call to teach them how to build a brand, how to get published, how to get licensing deals, how to run your business, how to make money, how to price your services, and all the things I do. And that's really where sort of my second business, I say I've built two seven-figure businesses, which I still run today, my design company and my consulting company. That's really when the consulting company was born. And so I guess that was what, about 12 years ago. So yes, thank you so much for sharing all that. I love it. No, so Mm -hmm. fun to hear. And I personally was um, the daughter of an entrepreneur as well, and so I can totally resonate with you know the the mindset of it's kind of normal when you grow up and you see that around you. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about how you felt. So you went to get your accounting degree. Was it always kind of in the back of your mind, like oh my gosh, I might actually want to start my own business. It might actually be the path for me. Did you think about that growing up? 
Yeah, I think I always thought that that was going to be what I did. And I remember as a child, you know, just talking to my dad and my mom too. My mom is, oh my gosh, my mom's the most nurturing, loving, supportive human on the planet. Like she, I have the best of both worlds because I have her support and love. And then I have my dad who's willing to take risk with money and, you know, big ideas and that kind of thing. And so, but I particularly remember my dad and I talking as a little girl and it's like, what are you, what are you going to do? What are you going to be? And, and I, at one point, of course, was like every, or not every little girl, but a lot of driven little girls. I was like, I'm going to be the president of the United States, which I quickly learned later that that's the last thing that I wanted to be. <laughs> um, my dad was actually in politics too. Um, he was a state re- representative locally. So I had, I had some connection to politics. Um, but, um, but yeah, I always just knew I was going to build something and I was going to create something. And I can't even really think now that I try to think back, I can't think of a moment where I ever thought I was just going to go to work for his company, um, which would have been amazing. And my brother did a lot of family members do, but I just, it's never even occurred to me. I always knew I was a founder, a builder of things. And so when you went to school to get your accounting degree, like the reason I'm asking this, let me put mm-hmm. some some story behind this is I feel like I always had the same sort of entrepreneurial bug. But at some point I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go and get my psychology degree. That's the safe route. Mm-hmm. And then I'll figure out everything else later. And at one point I did think I was just going to you know, start my own practice and that would be my path forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but long story short, I ended up turning the car around and not going to graduate school <laughs> and entered into a major quarter life crisis and moved from Ohio to London. And so I'm curious to know, do you feel like at some point you kind of fell into the pattern or the mindset of, okay, let's just do the safe thing in terms of accounting? Or was that not really your mindset? I think that was my mindset when I went to college and I got into those classes and I knew, I mean, there were some that I really liked. I always did well. I've always been a good student. Um, I'm still a student of life and everything else. Uh, but I um, I got into some of those classes. I remember sitting in like tax accounting and cost accounting and some of the things that I'm like, oh my gosh, who right. makes this stuff up? Like they just try to come up with the most boring thing ever and make it <laughs> hard for everybody. And I was thinking, you know, the accountants just want to keep all the other people out of their club and all these thoughts I was having. And I was like, this is not me. And around that time, I was always creative. My mom's a beautiful entertainer and homemaker and has a lot of style and an eye for color. And so it was sort of on the side that it was my hobby or just my lifestyle to create beautiful environments and surroundings. And at some point, and right about that time, it's when HGTV came about and it was starting to become a a possibility in my mind that something in this creative field of interior design or entertaining um, could actually be a legit career for me, no matter where I lived. And I didn't have to move somewhere else. I mean, it's so funny to think, but that was the time, like literally email and the internet and all the, the beginnings of right. a lot of that was really just becoming accessible to everybody, uh, 20 years ago. And so, yeah, I remember sitting in those classes and I was probably in year three-ish of my accounting degree, which I ended up taking five years to get that degree because probably because I hated parts of it. Um, And so I remember sitting there going, this is so not my job. And it was so funny because I started trying to do research on the design industry and you couldn't even Google. There was like, it, it wasn't like that. You can't just Google something back then. I somehow found some information 
um, about the design program at the University of Arkansas. And I remember calling like a registrar's office. It feels so archaic to think about it. But I was doing my due diligence and I even put together a plan. And I remember going to my parents and I'm like, okay, you don't have to pay for this. I know I'm a grown woman now. Uh, You can totally contribute if you want to. But here's sort of my plan, my business plan of what I want to create. Um, and they're like, okay, well, you know, get a job, some kind of job. But also, yes, you can go back to school. We'll help you. Um, and it was so interesting because I had this brilliant faculty alum advisor in my design degree when I went back to school after my accounting degree. And I was like, oh, I have all these hours and I should just get some, you know, in my free time, I should get a, a minor Something, because I'm going to be here for four years. It takes four years to go through the studios for design, kind of like architecture. It's not what people think. It's not decorating. It's literally like floor plans and plumbing plans. And it's really an interior architecture degree is what it really is. Um, And so I was going to be there four years. And I remember talking to him and he was like, are you kidding me? It's like nobody ever comes through here with even a business degree much less like an accounting degree or something like that. He's like, you've got to use this. You've got the hours. You've got to get an MBA. And I was like, okay, that might be the single most important piece of advice I've ever gotten. And I remember then looking that up and I was like, okay, I can do this at the same time. I'm getting my design degree. Of course, then I'll be a grad student. Then all my hours will cost graduate prices. (laughs) Like everything seemed like it was like more money, more money. Uh, So worth it though, because that was such an amazing piece of advice. And so what I ended up doing is in my master's program, while I was in uh, design school, I did my my master's project. Um, it was my business plan for my interior design business, which was so neat and fun and helpful. Um, and I did that all at the same time. So that's kind of how I launched into this business and really made a plan to just go to work for myself. And I opened my doors of my design company not really having worked for anybody else other than a couple of internships. One really fun went out in Las Vegas uh, doing hotel design. Um, But other than that, I was 27. I opened the doors and I'm like, here I am world. I have a shop. I was a shop owner. I had little pretty things and, and a design business. And I went from there. Yeah. Stupid and scary, but fun. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, again, I resonate with so much of your story. I, at one point thought I was going to get a pre-med degree and went into all of the chemistry classes and physics and all of that and literally left one of my finals in tears because I was Mm -hmm. like, this is not what I'm meant to be doing. And so all of those emotions and feelings can lead us in the right direction for sure. And I love that you followed your excitement. And although you didn't know what was necessarily um, possible, for you, you started paying attention to those things that really interested you and did the research and actually showed up. And that's so inspirational. Yeah, thank you. And so when you opened the doors, I'm curious to know, like, number one, how did you actually fund the business to have the store and have Mm -hmm. all the stuff that got you started? So I got a loan and my dad signed on the loan with me, which was so scary. And the banker was so scary. (laughs) It was all terrifying. Uh, And I was like, okay, I can do this. I'm legit. I mean, I remember I taking my little business plan in and I felt so inadequate. I felt so ignorant. I mean, even though I had these degrees and this information, it just felt like I knew nothing Um, I had an accounting degree and I felt so intimidated even to be asked questions about a spreadsheet. So I totally get why people are so intimidated about the the money side and the financial side of the business. And 
And yeah, so got a loan after going through those terrifying experiences. And my dad signed on it with me. And I remember like he was, it was serious. He was like, we're going to take out an insurance policy on you. Like this is all on you. If something happens to you, like, like we're covered, you're, you need to cover this debt. I'm just here as a name only. I'm not paying for this to happen. Um, and so, yeah, that's how I started. And I made so many mistakes. I bought so many things. I had a retail store and I was having fun shopping, which I now know was sort of buffering my emotions. It felt like so, you know, it felt so fun. Oh, I'll buy all these beautiful things. And of course they'll all sell and we'll make loads of money, which it doesn't happen exactly that way. Things don't just rush out of a store. There's a lot of hard work. Uh, that goes into that. And what I quickly learned was my interior design services and me as a luxury designer carried the whole retail store. The way things sold is I would put them in a design and take them to someone's house and sell them to them. And um, so, yeah, that was how that worked. And it was fun. And it felt really exciting to have a store. Um, Long term, though, that really was a distraction. And retail is its own animal, which is so hard as well. Um, Yeah. So that that's sort of the early years of the business. I closed the retail store in 09. So about 10 years in and just got super focused on um, the design business. And that's when the consulting stuff came together too. And you said that your, the the store was kind of a mask for what was going on beneath the surface. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. Some of the biggest business or money mistakes I made were that whole idea of, you know, shopping and, and kind of, I call it now because knowing what I know about the mind and, and our habits as humans and how we like to buffer our emotions, whether it's with wine or food or shopping or Facebook, Netflix, all that stuff. I now can look back and see, Oh, fascinating. Like I was spending money because it felt good. I was buying all these things, believing that they were all going to sell. And I mean, they did a lot of them. And I, I mean, if anybody was going to be able to sell them, it was me because I was hustling like a, you know, a beast, but um, it doesn't just, the hustle's not enough. You burn out doing that. So it's definitely a mask for some of my fears. It was really stroking my ego a ton. It's so fascinating to understand that and see how many people get themselves in financial problems in businesses or how they spend money on the wrong things. Because so often we're not really understanding the numbers and the profits. We're doing something else, which for me absolutely was this ego stroking thing. And I think the interior design business, especially, and probably some other creative fields, um, we're, we're a lot of smoke and mirrors. It looks really beautiful on the outside. It looks, you know, everything we do looks so successful and the pictures are so perfectly orchestrated for magazines and looks like the perfect life. A lot like Instagram is now, it's kind of always been that way in design. But what you really find when you peel back the curtain for most creatives is that they're barely hanging on. They're not making any money. A lot of them aren't paying themselves anything at all. They're funneling their own funds into it. They're making bad business decisions. And so this this is what I learned. And this is the the real piece of what I help people overcome in their businesses, like the broken business model that's not working for you, not charging enough and and spending money on the wrong things and and, you know, being more concerned with how you look outwardly instead of what's really happening um, on the inside of your business. Yeah, I love that. And what would you say are some of the biggest financial lessons that you learned? 
Well, it was shocking to me to learn, especially when I started coaching other um, creative business owners, how few people pay themselves at all. I mean, like literally I would have courses and conferences um, and I might have anywhere from 30 to 100 to 200 people in a room and always every single time, at least 50% of the people, if not more, would raise their hand when I asked the question, who doesn't pay themselves? Um, and they're in this belief that they can't, they have some other source of income or not sometimes, uh, funding. So maybe a spouse or some other money funding their business. They're doing it because they think it's fun and they believe it will eventually start making money, which never ever happens, right? Unless you orchestrate the money and the profits. Um, and so they're believing, well, I need that money for my employees or for advertising or for these pretty, pretty pictures I need to take. And so that blew my mind. And it really had never occurred to me to run a business that way. Now, I was paying myself not very much. And I found that the people who were paying themselves were in that category a lot. I mean, I was running at one point a million, million and a half dollar business, and I was paying myself maybe fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 a year, which was not near enough for the ridiculous amount of hustle I was putting in. Um, and so just so much um, I don't know, just brokenness and and lack of transparency in what was happening. So I think that was a huge, huge eye opener for me. Um, and one of the shifts that I made was I started working with a business coach way back in like 04 or something. I think I'd been in business three or four years um, working with a brilliant business coach in New York that worked with interior designers. And she taught me how to really charge my worth and how to charge flat fees. And I went from charging $100 an hour to charging five and six figure design fees and putting together these amazing packages with high level customer service and white glove, you know, high touch everything. Um, and that was a huge, huge game changer for me. But then I realized that not everybody has their mindset in the right place to be able to make that kind of shift. And so I don't know if that, you know, it's, sometimes your personality can help lend, you, you know, lend you kind of to that thinking. Definitely my entrepreneurial background and family helped me. But at the same time, I knew it was something that could be learned. And it's something I could teach other people that even though they might not have the same upbringing or feel like they had the same level of support, you can you can do the mindset work to start to believe and your value and learn the basic financial foundational pieces that you need to start to build a legit profitable business. Um, so those were totally, two, yeah. Two I mean, that's things. the work yeah. that, I, yeah, I love those examples. And, and that's the work that I do in the world as well is to support people and moving past all their fears and uh, in particular fears around money, worth around money, all of that stuff, because there's no way we're going to implement any strategy if we don't feel like we're capable of doing it or if we have blocks around selling or raising mm -hmm. our prices. So that's so, so important. It's so crucial. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I think it's just so rampant, not just with creatives, as you know, it's just with people. Um, it's just, it feels so impossible to charge, um, you know, what you need to really to, and you don't believe that people will pay it and you somehow believe that they're paying for you and your worthiness and all of that stuff. And so I really started to sort of unpack and discover all of those parts and pieces and start to put solutions to those for people, which has been so fun and rewarding, not just for myself. Um, I love being the guinea pig, though. I, I love that I can uh, be fearless and figure things out for other people. I'm sure you do that as well. And it's so much fun because it's not just a 
do what I say. It's literally, I did this. Here's what I learned. It may not be true for everyone, but here's some really good information that can help you take the next step in the right direction. Yeah, totally. I remember when I was interviewed by somebody, I think it was my first year in business, and she asked me, you know, what are your biggest lessons? What mistakes have you made? And I was like, oh, I haven't made any mistakes. And I was like genuine about that. But I wasn't I wasn't far enough in <laughs> to have made mistakes. <laughs> yeah. And now like I want to redo that interview and be like, oh, I have this whole <laughs> list that I can give yeah. you at this point. And like you said, it's it's all for the greater good. And I always say everything I go through is not just for me, but it's also in service to my clients because then mm-hmm. we can pass on that wisdom. And like you said, sometimes we have to go through it first. And having that firsthand experience means that we can speak to it and we can share and hopefully help other people avoid some of the situations that we've been in. Yeah. And, and if they can afford avoid them because they need to go through them, right. at least they know they're not alone. At least someone that has made it to the other side lived to tell about it. And it gives them the confidence to keep going too. So yeah, I think both of those things, some, some can be avoided, some can't, but it definitely helps to know, you know, that someone has forged this path already. Yeah. And I think that you're not doing anything wrong. It's just part of the process. And we all have to learn and have those challenges to you know, become stronger and be able to prepare us for that next level. Yes. So is there any sort of challenge that you love talking about that really helped you grow immensely and kind of led you to this point today? Yeah. So one of the things that I love to talk about really, believe it or not, is um, I would say time management, but the truth is it's not managing time. It's managing ourselves in relation to time. So there was a point even just three or four years ago, maybe that I was still sort of in, in some regards, flying by the seat of my pants with time, feeling like, oh, I'm a creative and I have to do things when I feel motivated or moved by it. And I would get to something I was supposed to do in my calendar. And I was like, you know, I'm not feeling it right. Now And so I did some really, really deep, deep work in this area of mindset around time and showing up and doing what I say I'm going to do. And I think of all the things I've done in the last 10 years in my business, that's probably the number one thing that has led to a better life, more balance, more money, um, just more productivity, all the things that I was constantly looking for. And I remember prior to that thinking, there's no way you will box me in. I'm not going to be restrained. I'm this like confident, creative person. I handle my own schedule. No one's going to tell me what to do. Uh, If you know the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram eight. So I'm like the really driven one that's called the challenger. And I remember when I really decided to lean into believing that the structure of really dialing in my time management, my thinking about time, my calendar would actually do the opposite than what I had always feared that it would do. It would actually liberate me instead of constrain me. And so I finally, after kicking and screaming for years about it, leaned into it and developed a time management system and really did all, I mean, the, the system's one thing. You can get a million different time management systems, right? It was the t- it was the mindset work around time and time scarcity, Um, and really moving through resistance when I didn't want to do something, do it anyway. That work, I think, is probably one of the most exciting, most transformational um, pieces of the puzzle for me. And now I teach it to other people, and I think it's so true for, for everyone. 
Yeah. So it sounds like there were a couple of components there that you had to shift your perception and your viewpoint and relationship with time, but also develop a trust within yourself that you are going to stay true to what you say you're going to do in relation to time. Yes. And then that's where I learned so much about the whole buffering piece, the way we, you know, when we don't want to do something or we feel uncomfortable or feel nervous, so we resist doing something. Um, I learned that no matter what it is, we're, we're never going to want to do whatever's on our schedule, even if it's something we like, right? Of course, we're not going to want to work out. We're not going to go on Facebook Live. We're not going to want to call and sell something to someone. And so learning that that was going to happen every time and then learning how to shift my perspective, really, it's that whole concept of how to do what you want long term instead of giving in to what you want right now. And then using time blocking as a support system for that. But yes, definitely had to make some major, major shifts. Um, and I think this is this is probably one of the key reasons that people don't have the success they want, right? The thing that, that separates those who are super successful from everybody else is the ability to go ahead and do what you're supposed to be doing, even and what you said you're going to do, even when you don't want to. Because we're never going to want to, right? We always, it's so weird. We're like, why doesn't the brain want to help us out? But it actually wants to protect us. It wants to keep us warm and cozy, um, you know, tucked in watching Netflix or taking a nap. Um, And we have to be willing to make a conscious decision to move forward anyway. Um, Yeah. So some deep, deep work there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally can relate to that. I mean, at the time that we're recording this, I've already recorded um, another episode with someone else and it's only 738 in the morning. And so, you know, like having that time set aside and really blocking your calendar and knowing what you're going to be doing and sticking to it is so powerful. Mm -hmm. And exactly what you just said, you know, the mind doesn't want us to succeed. It doesn't know what's on the other side. And so it wants to keep us safe. And when we can Mm -hmm. recognize that that's not actually our truth, it's just our mind being confused and not wanting us to go to the next level, then we can move through that and understand that our focus needs to be on the desire and what's going to happen when we actually do the thing and get yes. the result. Yeah. And I think the thing is, is we, we, be, we have this false belief that once we get to a level of understanding something, a skill set or, or whatever it is, uh, um, I don't know, even if we get published once or we get, you know, known that from that point on, whatever that box was, we could check it and move on. And what I've learned is that that's the opposite of the truth. For example, with time management, you don't just get where you can move through resistance once and you're like, okay, I've got this one accomplished. What's next? Like literally, it's going to be for the rest of your life that you still have an urge not to follow through and you have to keep practicing it and keep practicing it and keep choosing every single day. And I think that's what's confusing for people because I work with people all the time and they're like, well, when I get this done, then X will happen. Then I'll be happy. Then it'll be easier. Then it won't feel so hard. And I'm like, no, it never does. It never stops feeling hard. You never stop feeling resistance. You just get really good at moving through it anyway. Um, Yeah. And I think if you do stop feeling resistance, you have to ask yourself, are you really challenging yourself to go to the next level? Or right now, are you staying complacent? 
That's very true. So I guess, yeah, it could get easier if you do it once and you stop. But for those people who are wanting to continually improve and be a better version of themselves and kind of move into that future version of themselves all the time, yeah, that's where you're right. It never gets easier there if you're you're constantly committed to up-leveling. Totally. And I love how you've been able to bring so many of like your past lives, so to speak, the Mm -hmm. accounting degree, everything that you did previously into this current work. And I just want to point that out because I think sometimes people think, well, I got this degree. Now I'm not using it. How does this even pertain to the work that I want to do in my business? But there's a way to bring it all in. And I feel like all of our accomplishments, everything we learn, all of our challenges, all the degrees, they, they stack on top of one another and they're all useful in some respect. Do you agree? I love that. And I'm glad you pointed that out. And I do know that about myself consciously, but I sometimes forget it. But you're exactly right. And some of the work I help people do is to create a unique business and unique brand that's really a combination of their life experiences, their educations, their beliefs, like uniquely them. For for when I'm helping interior designers, I call it their designer DNA, you know, or your business DNA, your your mindset DNA. But it's it's like creating this individual version of a business because you bring all those things to the table. And I think you're so right. And I watch people all the time going, "Well, I used to be a nurse." But now I'm a, you know, an event planner and I don't really see how those have anything to do with each other. And I'm like, oh my gosh, but they absolutely do. And think about everything that you did caring for other people and nurturing people and being aware of their needs and and how you can tap into that and even use that information and tell other people like, this is what sets me apart. This is what makes me different. And so I love exactly what you're saying. And one of my favorite things to do is to take all those parts and pieces of you and meld them together into something even stronger than you would have been had you just abandoned them. And you're like, oh, well, that was that other part of my life. And that ran its course. It's like, no, bring all of that with you to go to the next level and make it make sense for you and tap into it. So yeah, I forget sometimes that I do that and maybe it comes somewhat easily for me or it's just how I think, but I love that you pointed it out because it's so, so important. Um, and, and I watch people's minds being blown all the time. They're like, oh, I thought that had nothing to do with this, but actually now that you mention it, it's going to make me be more appealing to my idle customer, to my audience. Exactly. And I always say to people, you know, sprinkle yourself into your work as much as you can, because that's what makes you unique, makes your brand unique, your work Mm -hmm. unique. And we need that. Like we need people to be truly themselves and really honor all the different chapters of their life so that we get Mm -hmm. like the whole person. Yeah, I've been doing some really fun work lately, too. I'm constantly up leveling with my mindset work. And and actually, I'm going through master life coach training right now. I was certified, I think, three years ago from the life coach school. Um, Now I'm doing the next level, which is super, super hard, deep, serious work, like getting rid of what's left of any emotional childhood that I've brought with me along the way. And some of the work I've been doing there is really about looking at my the next iteration of myself, what that's going to look like, essentially my f- next version of my future self, and understanding that the only way to her is through the current version of you, which is so fascinating because a lot of us want to sort of exit the current version of us. And we're like, well, when I get over there, it'll be better. When I get over there, I'll be happier. I'll have more money. And so I'm really doing this interesting awareness work around you have to have her 
the, the person you are right now to get to the next version of you. She's the lifeline. She's the person that shows up today so you become that person. And the future version of you will be so grateful of everything that you chose. And that's kind of what you're talking about. Like you you have to bring your past version of yourself into your future one. And she's the only way to get there. Um, and so that's been really fun to think about for me because again, a lot of us are like, oh, let's hurry and get rid of her or him um, so we can get to the next one, the future one that seems so much better. The grass is so greener, so much greener. And I'm learning to appreciate and lean into who I am right now because it's the only way to become somebody else. Yeah, that's such a beautiful way of putting it. Thank you for that reminder this morning. Yeah, you're welcome. And so what is in store for you and your company? You have these incredible businesses. So what are you excited about creating next? So yes, I love my membership and we're really growing that. Um, I did a high-end mastermind several years ago and I'm about to launch a new version um, that's really, really exciting to me. We're going to launch it in the next couple of months. And it's really um, the idea of millionaire mentoring because I see so many people, like I talked about, not even getting to six figures, much less seven figures. And so I want to really um, do a deep dive with this group of people, or whomever they are. I'm so excited about that. Um, and have really focused work on what it takes. And there will be, of course, a ton of the mindset tools in there. There's always the business tools. Uh, but again, I think the mindset stuff is the game changer. So that's on the horizon. Um, we're doing a lot of really fun. I kind of have a fun little opportunity, like you said, bringing the, the old version of me with me because I get to combine the interior design piece. It's really fun and beautiful um, visually to be in the business I'm in. So I get to create all these beautiful pictures and images. So I'm doing a lot of lifestyle work and branding with my business, which is just fun now. I used to dream of that kind of a business where I could essentially have my own magazine in a way and my own content. And we're doing that, um, which is so inspiring to other people. So uh, I would definitely call myself that multi-passionate entrepreneur, but I'm always tying them all back together just in the way you said. Um, so we've got some fun things going there. I'm actually shooting this fabulous beach house I did um, over the last couple of years. It's been a big, huge new construction project. We're doing a fun of a lot of fun uh, photos and videos there next week. I'm bringing one of my members for my membership over and we're going to shoot lifestyle content with her. And, and so just so fun and creative, the sky's the limit of what I can do and how I can use it to inspire and help other creatives and entrepreneurs really dream up and bring to life the business that they want. And it's not, it doesn't really, it doesn't have to look anything like any other business. You can dream all the parts you want and you can put them together. Uh, and I think that's what you do, right? Heart, I heart my life. Like I love my life. That's essentially the work I do. Like, how do you love your life? What do you love? What do you dream of? How do we put all that together? And so I'm living it in real time and I'm teaching other people how to do it too. Thank you for sharing that. And one of the things that really stands out to me is the amount of times you just said the word fun. And I think for yes. us business owners, like it becomes not fun at some points when there's like struggle and there's hustle and we don't understand like the profit, we're not paying ourselves. So I'm mm-hmm. curious to know, was there, was there always fun in your work? Is that no. just your personality? No, no, okay. no. My personality, in fact, is the op, I mean, the, not really the opposite of fun, but I'm all business normally. 
And I've spent years overworking. You've heard me say hustle a lot. I was on the treadmill. There was all the suffering. Um, And that's a shift that I've made in the last about almost three years. Um, when I started the, the, uh, well, you, you, lots of things happened three or four years ago. You can tell I got the, the life coach training. I did all the time management work. It's also around the time I started both my podcast and my membership. And I really started creating a scalable business. And so we're at about a million dollars in revenue with my membership and all the upsells and things we do from that. We do some other kind of strategy sessions and things with members. Um, and that has been so much fun compared to, a lot of the pain and suffering that came with the traditional interior design business model, which was much more like a 30% profit margin with all of this stuff that was out of your control and furniture showing up broken and things being late and customers being mad. Um, And so when I shifted into a scalable business, into the online space and really started generating money at a much higher uh, profit, it afforded me the opportunity to start doing all the things that you're hearing me say are so much fun that I had just always had on my bucket list. Like one day I'll just be able to, you know, shoot projects and create lifestyle content and literally basically have like my own magazine or almost my own TV show and just be able to pay for it to be whatever I want in a way that inspires other people. And it's really just been in the last several years that I have created that life. And it's, funny because it has nothing to do with time passing. Because as I told you, I've been an an interior designer for 20 years now, 21 this year, actually. Um, And there were 17 of those years that felt hard and like the struggle. So it wasn't that just, oh, finally, I got to the year where it kicked in. It was, no, I took my business, you know, by the reins, by the horns, and decided to make major changes in my business and in myself so that I could stop wanting something and really design and create and bring to fruition this business that I've created. And so that is why I'm having so much fun now. And I mean, money isn't everything, but man, it sure makes business and life fun when you can spend it and do things with it. Of course, different spending. Back in the day when I was spending from scarcity and with my ego, it was going into debt. Now I'm spending it in ways that make me money, that create more money, that create opportunity Um, And it it feels, it feels just dreamy and not even sometimes it's like definitely pinch me moments, but it did not just happen to me. I made these conscious shifts to create that fun business that I love every single day. And no, it was not my past for sure. Uh, And it was not by accident. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for your honesty. And and I totally understand what you're saying. I've been reading um, Jessica Simpson's new book, and she talks about how, you know, at one point her fashion collection and, and line had taken off, and she realized she had the money to make the album that she really wanted to make. And she no longer mm-hmm. had to, mm-hmm. you know, commit to something that some sort of label told her she had to do. And it was mm-hmm. just that creative freedom. And I see yes. that in our company as well. Like as I bring on more team members and they're doing the things I don't want to be doing, that provides me with the opportunity to really be in my zone of genius and to you know have the time to invest to things that really light me up and are fun and to be able to do more photo shoots and video shoots and all of that stuff that's also going to get the content out there mm-hmm. in a much bigger way. Yes, absolutely. And one of the things you just said, I haven't mentioned yet, but it was also a shift I made when I started building my membership, my scalable services, uh, this online version of my business, I shifted from having a lot of physical employees with my traditional design business model 
Um, at one point, I had 12 employees, which has been a while ago, probably 10 or 12 years ago. Um, and now I probably work with 15 to 20 different people, some as contract laborers. I have, I think, three full-time employees only now. Um, and none of them are even in the same town as me. And so really creating a sort of laptop lifestyle and getting the right people that are just exactly, as you said, taking so much off of me that felt like the grind to me for so many years, but is in their wheelhouse, is in their zone of genius and freeing me up to do what really not only fulfills me the most, but makes the biggest difference, or as we all say, moves the needle in the company the most that's been a, an incredible shift to it for me as well and for the business. And it's, it's been such a, um, you know, difference maker in our bottom line and our finances. Totally. So before we get to the last question, I'm curious to know where people can find you. So pretty much everywhere. I'm Toby Fairley. Um, it's so funny. My, I blame my husband for his name. The well, it, obviously, uh, but everybody thinks we're the Farleys. And I'm like, no, there's an I in there. So it's Toby Fairley, uh, T-O-B-I. And the fun place to find me is on Instagram because it's visual eye candy over there. Um, right. and, I, and I love, I'm sure you're like me, Instagram direct messages have become basically my text messaging with most yep. people in my life these days. So that's a real fun, easy place to access me. But you can pretty much find me all over social media, um, and also at tobyfairly.com just by searching my name. So I'm pretty much, pretty much Toby Fairly anywhere you can look for me on the internet. Love it. And so the final question I want to ask you that we ask all of our incredible guests is what is one way you would share with our listeners that they can create a life better than their dreams? Oh gosh, do the deep personal work with your own mindset. Because I think we're always out there looking for the next right piece of software or employee or business tool or opportunity. And none of that matters if you haven't gotten out of your own way with your thinking, your beliefs, all this, this work that I keep saying was my deep work. I think that is the work. And so many of us want to think, well, that's over here in my personal life. And I'll do that when I have time. And the truth is it infiltrates everything. There is no separation between your life and your business. Um, so I think that is number one biggest priority is to do that work. And that's the kind of work I do with my members. You can, you know, there are other places to find it. I'm a student of the life coach school and Brooke Castillo. She's a genius. There's so many people that I follow that really are into that mindset work, but I think it is number one job. Number one that you have to do above all else. Thank you so much for sharing that. I completely agree and have seen a huge transformation in my own life. And I know with our clients as well, we just had somebody share that she wished she had all this information when she had her previous business that ended up going under. And, and mm -hmm. you know, now she's taking that and applying it to her life. And it is a game changer. So thank you so much for sharing that, Toby. You're so welcome. So fun. Thanks for asking me. This has been a really, really delightful interview. Thank you. Yeah, I know all of our listeners are super inspired by your journey and appreciate your time here and are going to be following you, following all the eye candy on Instagram. <laughs> so thanks again. And we can't wait to see what you do next. I hope you loved today's episode. I think Toby is such a breath of fresh air. If you're looking to create more fun in your life, check out what we have going on at iheartmylife.com. We host retreats within our I Heart My Life Mastermind, which are all super fun. It's always amazing to gather with incredible driven women. 
We also have a money workshop coming up. So go to iheartmylife.com or email my team at info at iheartmylife.com for more info. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the I Heart My Life show. For more inspiration, success tips, and ways to achieve your life and business goals, definitely follow me on Facebook and Instagram on I Heart My Life Now. See you next time.